Okay, so for those of you just joining, it's a very special day. We're going to have Prepop Labs, our Chief Technology Officer from Umami Labs, join us and share some very detailed updates on the status of our USDC vault. Um, but while we uh, wait for him to join, I'll give some very high-level stuff. He's just... Uh, for those of you who don't know, there's a trick with Twitter Spaces, which is that you can only use it from your phone. So um, I think he's, he's new to joining our Spaces, so we're just going to give him a second to shift from PC to phone. Um, while we do that, I'll share some of the high-level stuff. The key point that I think um, we're, you know, we, we have shared, and you know, I think some of you are already aware of it, but we're, we're very excited to share with those of you who uh, may not know, is that the... The phase one of our audit with Zokio, and to be clear, the phase one really is you know, pretty much the, the bulk of the audit. The remaining phases are just sort of a quick Q&A and retesting if needed. Um, but the phase one is the actual rigorous testing line by line of all of the code. The phase one with Zokio is complete, and that means, you know, not... You know, that, that applies to all of our, our existing smart contracts, but most importantly, or at least most excitingly, it applies to our USDC vault. So this USDC vault, um, it not only passed phase one of the audit, it scored a 98%, which is exceptionally high, um, implying that there is very, very, very little in the way of vault code uh, that needs to be retested or potentially adjusted. Um, so that's it. First of all, let's just give a very big shout out to uh, Prepop Labs and also OX Toki. Toki's our senior dev who built the vault. Prepop Labs is our chief technology officer who, who oversaw it. So we're, we're really happy with how they performed. Um, really excellent product and it's, it's complete and ready to go. So we couldn't be happier about that. We just need to wait on some final back and forth with uh, Zokio, and we're expecting to be able to announce a formally completed audit with all the associated documentation next week. So that's huge progress for us. Um, and with that, we're gearing up for the vault launch. And, and as all of you guys know, um, we are going to do a... We're going to have a a whitelist period for this vault. We're going to do the vault launch in a, in a staggered fashion. So phase one of our vault launch is really going to be sort of limited whitelisting for, you know, mostly you guys, the community. Umami holders will have first dibs on vault deposits, as well as a few close um, institutional capital partners who have been, you know, very keen to, uh, to work with us and to support us in a variety of ways and who also in many cases hold Umami. So, you know, what's critical to note here about our vault is that demand for TVL, so the demand from depositors to place TVL in the vault, greatly outstrips, you know, even, you know, sort of our long-term steady state target for how much TVL we're going to take in to this vault. So, you know, we're going to probably have a fairly long-term cap at about 100 million TVL. We're going to be, you know, very scrupulous and thoughtful about scaling um, up to 100 so we're probably going to start with much less than that um, and you know we have more capital than we know what to do with in terms of you know demand for tvl in the vault so we want to use july the month of july to very sort of you know thoughtfully and tactically increase tvl in the vault 
making sure that as we do that, we are not overwhelming, particularly the tracer perpetual pool products that we use for hedging with, with vault liquidity. Um, as you know, anyone in, in DeFi knows, um, liquidity is, is, you know, scarce liquidity is basically the biggest constraint for, for scaling, you know, any number of products. And then we believe that we have solutions that are going to allow us to, to scale this vault pretty aggressively, but we're not going to be, uh, careless about that at all. So we're going to use this month of July to slowly onboard new capital. Um, we will be, you know, leaning into our whitelisting, our whitelist approach, um, through the entire month, um, bringing in, you know, capital bit by bit, gradually raising the cap, you know, maybe up to between 10 and 25 million TVL by the end of the month. And, and at that point, if we're happy with, um, you know, the, how that process has gone, if we're happy with, you know, how the underlying assets are performing, even after we've pushed, you know, millions of new TVL into them, then we can pro then we expect to lift that cap and go all the way to 100 million quite quickly. So that's, uh, that's the game plan. And the first order of business is that we are going to be announcing some details on how to get whitelisted next week. Um, but the, the basic overview is, as many of you already are aware, is that you know, community members, of course, come first. And we're going to have, after some internal discussion, we decided we are going to have different tiers of um, TVL cap, of deposit cap, depending on how much CM umami, compounded marinated umami, a given wallet holds. Um, we're going to share some of our specific numbers with the Yield Farmers Council on Monday, get some feedback, and then announce more widely to the community. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Yield Farmers Council is our DAO council um, focused on offering uh, community members' perspective on proposals. So that will be a project for you know early next week. We will be sharing the full details um, of how to get whitelisted by the the end of this coming week and then subsequent to that we're going to be moving forward with the vault launch and you know again we we do ask for a little bit of uh of patience because we are not going to do this all at once we're not going to rush the full month of july is going to be a whitelisted month if you are a holder of umami you will get into the vault um but we are not going to scale it so aggressively that we uh we don't give ourselves ample time to sort of test each new tier of TVL in the vault as we load it in. So that's going to be um, the, the process, and you know, we're, we're very excited to get started. Um, I'm going to see if Prepop has had a chance to join, because I think it would be really awesome to be able to get a technical update from him. So just bear with me. Um, I want to see if he is with us. While we wait for him, I think, you know, it, it makes some sense because I think most of you guys are basically, you know, following, you know, tuning in and primarily interested in the vault and the audit right now. Um, I'm happy to open it up to some questions while, while we wait for Prepop to hop on. Does anyone have anything that they want to ask just after that initial update? All right. Do we see any uh, hand raises here? Any um Anyone want to come up and speak and ask anything? I'm, I'm all ears and happy to answer any questions you have. All right, here's somebody. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear oh, you. Thanks, good. 
Um, so I was wondering how do does it get decide who gets to enter the vault from like big parties or protocols side who have a lot of interest in the vault but want too much space yeah. that's actually available. Yeah, that's a great question. So there's there's actually uh, a couple moving parts there. Um, as I said, through the month of July, we are going to have a period that is whitelisted primarily for community members, meaning that those who hold M Umami are going to um, get first dibs on vault deposits. So our community comes first, and by the end of next week, we're going to be revealing the specific whitelisting guidelines. Um, for who gets to participate in the vault. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, we are going to be, you know, increasing the cap, you know, pretty aggressively on, on, on TVL up to about $100 million. Um, and, you know, we will give some preference once all of our community has been taken care of. We'll give preference to institutional partners who, you know, are willing to work with us closely and are interested in depositing you know, fairly large amounts of TBL. Um, it's going to be a permissionless vault, so there's. It's not as if we are going to prevent anyone from depositing as long as you know the current TBL in the vault is below the TBL cap. But there are ways that we can you know partner with you know particularly large providers of uh, of capital, specifically in the following way, which is you know that I think those of you have been following our announcements, know that we are partnered with Insurace, which is one of the leading DeFi insurance providers, um, to provide insurance on the vault deposits. Um, there's there's going to be a limited supply of underwriting capacity at first, about $4 million um, in total. And we'll be allocating that, you know, in part to, to close partners that really do want to provide, you know, large and long-term allocations of capital to the vault. So, you know, that's one way that, you know, we might, we might actively, you know, partner and assist, you know, certain protocols or uh, institutional capital providers with getting into the vault. But other than that, you know, once this whitelist period is over, um, it's a permissionless vault and anyone who wishes to deposit can deposit. Okay, great. Thank you. Great. Um, does anyone else have any questions that they want to ask? Um, for those who, who are on our Discord, remember that we can also, um, anyone can submit questions in AMA questions in chat as well. So that's, uh, that's another option for um, asking questions. But you know what? I'm seeing, um, seeing that Prepop was able to join. So with that, let's... Uh, Let's put a pin in further questions because I think it'll be really great for you guys to hear what Prepop has to share. Um, I'm sending Prepop. I'm sending you a co-host invite. So please just uh, accept that when you can. All righty. Um, <clears throat> welcome, Prepop, and I'm, I'm really happy uh, you were able to join. I, I've had the same. <laughs> Challenge with adjusting to Twitter Spaces inexplicably only allowing people to uh, use the cell phone, the okay. iPhone app. Yeah, um, but welcome, can you get humor? welcome I can. Oh, yeah, it's good to good to be here talking to the community. Yeah, I've listened to so many Spaces, but that's it. I've only listened, so I did not realize it was so restrictive to to be a speaker here. <laughs> no, no worries. But I'm I'm very happy to to have you on board. I think that people are going to be really excited to hear you know directly from you. For those who uh, 
For those who don't know, Prepop is our chief technology officer at Umami Labs. He's been working crazy hours, 16, 20 hours a day, I think, sometimes, getting this vault across the line, very uh, you know, deep in the weeds with it, um, along with OX Toki, the senior dev. So with that, you know, I think needs no further introduction. Uh, Prepop, can you, uh, can you share your update on the vault? Yeah, sure. I think the biggest news is Yadik coming back uh, this week, earlier this week, uh, with with which was phase one. So um, that's where it's like the deep dive manual review from Zokio, where they go line by line in the code. Um, and they also kind of blast it with um, automated testing, looking for, um, you know, kind of this arsenal of, of uh, testing that they've built up. Um, looking for vulnerabilities and, um, you know, exploits and that sort of thing. So uh, great stuff with Zokio. They've been uh, wonderful to work with. And, um, yeah, for the last, I'd say, a little over three weeks, we've been working with them uh, back and forth, uh, answering any questions as they have and and providing them with uh, all the documentation on how we implement with the partner protocols uh, so they can get a great understanding of how each component works. And so uh, we got that stage one um, audit completed and, and returned to us and it's very promising. And uh, the rest of the phases, there's four phases, is our response, right? So uh, we give them back comments uh, or code changes that uh, address the things that they might have found. And then, uh, which there's been some minor things, definitely. Um, uh, some great things. Uh, I, I'd say nothing that really, uh, you know, affects any user funds, but um, some really nice stuff. And, and this report will be published, so you guys will, will be able to see everything that uh, that they caught and we addressed. Um, and so this is our phase of response where um, we, you know, get to talk to them about uh, if we want to address this, if we think it's important enough to address, uh, which I think every every item we are going to make some change. Um, then we make the the code change, and um, that's been underway this week. And uh, we're going to submit uh, those changes, I think, um, on Monday, probably of next week. And that's where it goes into phase two, which um, they take kind of as the final the final testing phase. So they take the the final code that we send, um, recheck all the changes, everything they found before, uh, plus a full battery of things, and then uh, phase four goes into the completed. Uh, report for publishing. So uh, that's where it's at. And, and you know, this is one of our biggest, uh, our biggest weights was, you know, our requirements internally was we need the audit back. It needs to pass with flying colors before we launch this because, um, you know, I think it's very important to have an external third party audit report on the code functionality um, to be able to, to, you know, clearly demonstrate so everybody can see. And, and you know, the code will also be published on our GitHub and verified contracts for anybody to to view. But like I said, it's nice to have that third party that has uh, a great reputation like Zokio uh, for going in here and, and looking at every every detail. So um, besides the uh, besides the audit, we've also had a really busy last two weeks. Uh, we have been in closed mainnet um, testing, mainnet being Arbitrum mainnet. Um, so, you know, uh, we've run through fork tests throughout the development stage of defaults. We did uh, testnet deploys, um, but with the partner protocols of GMX and Tracer, it's critical to have the exact mainnet interactions that we're going to run into. And so this was this is a um, a big 
step on our milestone and and that's been that's been that has gone great um and so the uh close net is is pretty much you know everything that's that's live um that would be live just uh with really small tvl as we're testing this out on mainnet getting all the interactions testing the scenarios we have uh had in mind and then um What's up, you know, what's upcoming for the next fall as as the audit continues, we're entering the second phase of our closed net. So redeploy with some changes and fixes that we have found on the last two weeks, redeploy with some of the updates from the audit report. And also integrating the front end uh, staging. So we'll have uh, private front end staging uh, just internally on mainnet. Um, for the next week, uh, for as long as we need, really, um, to test everything and go through a very strict, uh, you know, uh, checklist of of every component working exactly as as we intend. And um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the roadmap um, before we prepare to launch. Is is uh, the final stretch of of uh, you know, kind of this full staging testing environment uh, before we go live. And as DeFi already mentioned, you know, we have plans in place for um, as we get closer, you know, kind of announcing the official uh, mechanisms on on how to get whitelist and, and some of those tiers as we work through the exact details. But we'll definitely publish those um, at our Discord and, and Twitter and everything with plenty of time for people to prepare uh, on how to how to ensure they can get uh, whitelist on the vault and um and be ready as we as we scale the tvl up so um yeah that's that's kind of my update but I, I could definitely answer any specific questions that that anybody might have on on the technical side and actually um you know maybe i'll just add on the uh the vault asset allocation side that you know we've also you know along with doing the, the audit with zokio to make sure that the code is um you know, completely secure, and then of course, you know, working with Insurace uh, to you know further insure against any potential smart contract exploit risk. Um, you know, we've been working very closely with Balance, um, a uh, an AI-based uh, Web3 asset management platform, who has built a really sophisticated model. Um, it's called a Monte Carlo analysis to to both sort of optimize our hedging strategy, which is rebalanced um, within this vault every 24 hours, um, and to run back tests um, to make sure that our strategy will perform as um, as hoped, as planned. And you know the results have so far been fantastic. They're going through a period now of you know more rigorous back testing using sort of more extreme scenarios. Um, luckily, the past month in the markets has given us some, you know, pretty good, um, you know, historical data now for, you know, sharp market downturns to add to, uh, to our backtesting process. But, you know, basically, you know, the, what they have found so far, and you know, we'll, we'll share even more soon, is that, you know, the, the likelihood, you know, in, in more than 90% of cases, you know, where they backtested, you know, scenarios in which they backtested this fall strategy, the um, potential, you know, gain or loss, the sigma, as they call it, so deviation um, in the vault, uh, the value of the vault assets, was less than 0.15%. So, you know, for 
considering sort of how dynamic crypto markets are and, you know, the fact that all hedging strategies are, are imperfect and, you know, we're sort of, in some senses, you know, taking a risk and doing something very original by using, you know, tracers, li liquidation-proof pools instead of something more conventional, um, more of a, you know, conventional short-selling hedges. Um, we're, we're delighted. I mean, 0.15% in 90% 90 of cases and... When they, you know, looked at more black swan um, scenarios, they they found that really no matter what they had put in put into the analysis thus far, the odds of you know ever seeing you know the asset value drop by you know one percent or more, um, you know, in between hedging rebalances, is is negligible. It is effectively zero. Uh, nothing zero, but it's it. Their their models, in other words, suggest that there's no real risk serious loss of value at all, um, defining serious as 1%. So <laughs> given that you know, all of us are down dramatically, um, we're very happy with that performance. Do you want to add to that, Preepa? This is something that we take very seriously, too. And so it was a big part of our process for the last few months, um, you know, finding OT as a solution for optimizing um, and modeling out our hedging system. And being flexible enough to work with uh, the challenges of how the tracer pools work, um, which is a challenge both on you know the smart contract integration and also um, the modeling to get uh, all the parameters with uh, you know skew and, and pool balances and things like that. So yeah, I think it was a, a considerable effort, and you know we spent time and, and resources on this, but I think it's really going to be key to. To making this such a great product, um, you know, really maintaining that that delta neutrality on it. So, yeah, absolutely. And and maybe the last thing that I'll add, just on that front, is that you know a really key element of our vault strategy is going to be you know continuing to work closely with and support um, our really awesome partners at, at Tracer. And you know they've been you know really really responsive collaborators. Um, you know with us in in recent weeks. You know we've kind of been very open with them about the fact that there's a surprisingly strong amount, not surprisingly, but there's an enormous amount of interest in this vault. There's a lot of TVL waiting in the wings to come in here, and you know, they recently launched their V2 pools, which is very exciting. Um, but of course, because those pools are newly launched, the amount of TVL currently in the pools is um, is quite low. Um, you know, in the primary pools that we're going to be using, uh, which would be the 3x lever to BTC pools and the 3x levered ETH pools um, only have a couple, you know, low six figures in TVL right now. Uh, maybe it's grown slightly, but uh, it's been low six figures for the past week or so. So very important to, you know, work with them and, you know, make sure that we are bringing TVL into those pools in a balanced way, right? Because for our vault, we put them into the short side of the pool, short meaning betting against um, you know, basically protecting against downside risk in the market, and that's how we maintain delta neutrality. But to keep those pools balanced and, liqu and liquid, we need to make sure that there is also liquidity in the long side of the pool. So we've been partnering closely with Tracer. Um, on that, they're going to be bringing in some partners to provide capital to the long side of the pool. We will be as well. Um, we have, you know, actually millions of dollars um, in TVL that, that is interested in Farming the skew, as it's called, so putting TBL into the long side of the pool to make sure that as we scale the vault, we put more and more TBL from our vault into the short side. 
of the pool that we are not um, throwing those tracer pools out of balance. So that's that's important, and we're really proud of this because this is an example of what who we want to be. On Arbitrum, we want to support the growth of the ecosystem. We want to provide liquidity to partner projects, and so this is you know that's exactly what's going down um, with this fault with Tracer. And the other thing, and I think that you know Prefop might be able to speak you know, in more detail to this, but we're also working with Tracer to really rigorously test their own um, APIs for providing um, pricing and and skew data feeds for our vault. Um, it's it's really I know that there's sort of a few different feeds, and we there's sort of no concerns about maybe knowing what the current price is of the uh, the tracer pool tokens um, or the current skew, but that expected price and expected skew um, they're they're subjecting to just a little bit of extra testing on their end, um, with the goal of you know making sure that that's fully functional and thoroughly tested by midweek next week. Um, so we're we're trying to support them in every way we can with that. Did you want to add to that at all, Prepa? Yeah, that's exactly right. Like that that goes in to be a major part of the second close net testing um, is uh, you know that integration with their APIs and more importantly the expected the expected changes, expected pricing, expected skew. Because if anybody's familiar with how tracer pools work, um, there's commits every hour that that are claimed after eight hours for, for specifically for the three X pools that we're using. And so when you, um, when you go to place your um, short value into the pool and you, when you go to place your commit, um, there are others that are also committing with you. And with that comes an expected change of the skew and an expected change of how that uh, pool is going to give um that the the short returns that uh, you know it's it's uh, not, not always exactly three x right it depends on the pool balance so um, and that's all part of you know our rigorous testing and uh, for the second close net it's making sure that's lock solid both on our side and and on uh, traces and you know prepa maybe the other thing that we should share with them because I, I feel like this has been a little bit undersold it's um quite significant. Um, value add for you know umami holders and, and also for the ecosystem. Um, we're we prepup and and our dev team have also been working on what we call super stakers. So these are um, sort of a, a novel iteration on the concept of an auto compounder. They they maximize yield, but in a way that is not. Um, they maximize yield for core Arbitrum farms like Jones or Dopex farms, but in a way that is not um, does not involve dumping. The reward token. The reward token is a single-sided staked, um, and this has allowed us to be whitelisted by Dopex and Jones. Um, so we're really the only project that can build these products. Um, and we we have been working on you know super stakers as well as some more conventional auto compounders alongside the vault. And you know I think all of these products are going to be being launched in in July. Um, we might do the vault first and then follow the subsequent week with the super stakers. Do you want to, uh, do you want to elaborate on that at all? Prepop? Sure. Yeah. I'll start with the conventional auto compounders in the spirit of, uh, Arby's finance, right? Cause that's how Arby's kind of got its start. And that's how I actually, uh, hold on. There's an airplane right above me. It's causing some, <laughs> that's how I actually, uh, bridged over to Arbitrum originally was the Arby's airdrop 
back in November, I think it was of last year, maybe. But um, so these auto compounders are uh, from Balancer. And um, there's, uh, I think, a GMX, WETH, uh, and uh, like a TriCrypto uh, with USDC instead of USDT. So Balancer's kind of version of Bitcoin, wrapped Bitcoin, wrapped ETH, and, and USDC. Um, and one more that, that escapes me, but these are traditional auto compounders, right? So it's a way to get higher APY by, by auto compounding the balancer emissions uh, from these LP positions. And uh, the ones that we chose um, are partner protocols, and they also are the ones that have some of the higher balancer emissions right now through the, the VE BAL. I don't know if everybody's checked out balancer lately, but they did add a VE BAL uh, emissions voting for pools that significantly boost some of the TVL on, I mean, the, the APR on some of these uh, LP positions. So um, it's, a, it's a great way to, to boost, and these will be um, auto-compounded, you know, depending on TVL, uh, you know, at least to get, give a significant APY increase um, over just the, the standard LP position. So then, um, you know, working closely with our, uh, partners on Arbitrum, uh, especially like uh, Defoe was mentioning, Dopex and Jones, um, they have um, some great farms. Um, and, you know, we don't necessarily want to dump their tokens uh, to reinvest because, it, you know, auto combatters have a sense of you know, almost like a net negative with, with dumping the tokens to, uh, you know, to reinvest the gains. And so we came up with uh, this concept of super stakers where all of the reward emissions are compounded, but only by finding a farm in our partner protocols to, to compound with. And so um, in the case of, I'll just give an example, like in the case of um, Jones, we have single-sided Jones uh, super staker, right? So that one's self-explanatory. You stakes Jones single-sided, you get the Jones emissions, and we just restake it back in the single-sided vault. And so with that foundation, we were able to do some of the other Jones funds like uh, JRDPX, RDPX, that gives you Jones emissions as well. And so instead of the traditional path of dumping the uh, Jones and, and swapping it for the LP tokens, we single-side stake the Jones in the single side. And so it kind of comes with this uh, multi-reward tiers of, of uh, super staking. And then, you know, it, it, it uh, leads back to Dopex, which has its um, Dopex, ETH, uh, Dopex ETH farm and our Dopex ETH farms, which emit both Dopex and RDPX, which we enter in the Jones pools and stake in the Jones pools. And then those both output Jones that we that we stake in the Jones. So it, it ends up being like a three tiered stagger staking system. But it you know it, it it becomes a cool product where you're really compounding the gains from from these reward stakings without without dumping the partner protocol emissions. So that's uh, super stakers in a nutshell, I guess. Great. Um, thanks, Prepop. Really really appreciate that. And with with that, why don't we open this up to uh to more community questions. Does anybody want to pick Prepop's brain? It's, uh, it's the first time up here, so it's, it's a treat to be able to interact uh, directly with him. So please uh, 
please feel free to ask away. Questions? I'm sure they're out there. Come on, I know you guys are excited about the vault launch. Um, I saw one question, AMA questions in chat. Maybe I'll, I'll answer that. Well, oh, here's someone uh, Frank wants to ask. Hey, Frank. Hi, sorry, I missed the first part of this uh, space. So the upcoming vaults, uh, my question is, are they automated? So the contract handles depositing the funds in the tracer and so on? Or uh, like, uh, uh, is there someone that uh, uh, carries out some manual operations? Um, great question. The short answer is yes, they're automated. But let's, uh, let's let Prepop talk about the mechanics a little bit. Sure. So uh, deposits are all in USDC, right? So uh, the user just deposits in USDC and they receive their um, ERC4626 equivalent receipt token shares. Um, and so then the funds um, from that deposit um, don't get invested right away. They, they wait till the next epoch where um, the total balance of all assets in the pool are calculated. And then um, in, a, in a manual process, we use the modeling we have from OT to, to get the perfect hedges. And this is the key to re uh, maintaining you know, the exact delta neutrality that we were talking about before, um, why we work so closely and, and so hard with OT balance. And um, we get the exact distribution and um, everything's reinvested at that point, right? The, the amount of GLP, if any change needs to be done, will be done, any hedging that needs to be adjusted will be done, the, the incoming funds will be allocated. And that also gets into the, uh, the withdrawal process, which is slightly different than, than most vaults, but it is a necessary component on how we can man maintain the stealth and neutrality uh, with any kind of shift in, in TVL or um, you know, uh, people removing their funds as well. And that's that uh, when you go to withdraw, um, there is a process of queuing your withdrawal. And when you queue for a withdrawal, it can only be executed at the exact uh, time of the next epoch, right? So uh, if we have 24-hour epochs, if you queue an hour before the end of the epoch, you just have to wait that hour. If you queue in the very first hour, you have to wait the full duration for the epoch. Um, and then at the end of the epoch, all of these are funds that have set aside for withdrawing are pulled out and stored in USDC, and they're available for you to complete the withdrawal process. And um, you know, because of how you know, basically the partner protocols work, this is this is the the magic sauce in, in maintaining that uh, delta neutrality, no matter any shift. Perfect. Thanks. Okay. Does anybody else uh, want to come up and uh, fire any questions at us? While we wait, um, feel free to first of all feel free to raise your hand at any time. But while while we're waiting, I'll answer some questions on AMA questions in chat. Um, one says, "Is there a model of how much uh, Umami APR will increase with the USDC vault?" Um, which is a great question, a very fair question. So for those of you who are new to um, Umami, remember that Umami can be staked. We call it uh, we call it marinating, but it's effectively staking. Um, and staked umami, which is called M umami, receives ETH yield tied to protocol revenue. So yes, uh, of course, as protocol revenue increases, 
and it will when these vaults launch because we'll be receiving fees um, from the, the vault deposits, then that will increase ETH yield to Emumami depositors. And our, uh, our internal estimates are pretty bullish. Obviously, it is a function of the speed with which we scale TVL in the vault. Um, but even reasonably conservative estimates um, of you know, the TVL growth in the first one to two months you know, easily point towards uh, a more than doubling of the amount of ETH pushed to marinators in, um, you know, per month. So that's that's actually quite conservative. But let's say this vault gets twenty five um, million in, in TVL. It's it's not at all unrealistic to expect the amount of ETH being pushed to uh, to double. And you know that over over time, you know, that can continue to scale. But uh, just the, the, you know, the, there will be an initial, you know, very positive contribution to Emumami yield as a result of our first product launch. Um, and, and a part of that is that the way our fee structure is designed, we have uh, deposit fees, very modest, 0.5%, but they add up. And so those are received, you know, right away. Um, and, you know, again, we're going to exercise some discretion here, but Assuming a portion of those are paid out um, to marinators, uh, to Emumami holders um, as ETH, and that, you know, uh, certainly uh, 50% or more of the uh, performance fees and management fees, which are spread out, you know, across the year, also paid out to Emumami holders, there's going to be a very significant positive shock to APR, um, or rather, you know, to the amount of ETH being pushed to Emumami stakers. So it's very good for our holders, the, the vault launch. Um, and with that, I see a request, um, complete DJ. Hi there. Are you able to speak complete DJ? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yes. Sorry. Hi. Uh, thanks for doing uh, this guys. Uh, so you said you were going to use some discretion, but are you potentially able to share like the a bit more about the fee structure or not at all? Like in terms. Well, the, it's not an issue of the fee structure. The, uh, we're we're fairly comfortable with the fee structure that we have in place. I, I I understand that that's a fair question. So let me break that down a little bit. So the fee structure that we're going to use is going to be 0.5 percent deposit fee. So that's a percent of the deposited assets taken at the time of deposit. Um, 1.5 percent. Uh, management fee, so that's a percent of AUM uh, but taken over the course of 12 months, so about 1.5% of AUM over the course of 12 months. And then a 15% performance fee, um, all, you know, which is a percent of the yield, not a percent of, of the total assets under management taken over the course of 12 months. These are adjustable parameters. We will not be adjusting them upwards. We may adjust these fees downwards at some point if necessary to remain competitive but right now um we don't see a need for for that we're still actually you know considerably lower fee than you know for example yearn which is a more of a two and twenty structure for most of its faults so now when we're talking about sort of where discretion might be exercised really the only thing that we're still modeling out internally is uh the optimal trade-off between you know paying out you know you could imagine you can imagine that we could pay out 100% of vault revenue, um, including the deposit fee right away, right? Well, that would be the biggest one-time boost to marinate yield, um, but there's some downsides. And, and the main downside is that the deposit fee, right, as I described it, is front-loaded. 
right? So like you, you know, the first, the first, it's quite conceivable that we would hit our hundred million cap, hundred million dollar TBL cap, and that then depositors would remain, you know, in that vault long term. At which point, you know, subsequent, you know, we would get a very large initial revenue stream from the deposit fees, um, and then the deposit fees would not be high subsequent to that. Now we would continue to have steady revenue. Um, from the management and performance fees, but we might get a, a front-loaded shock, right, um, of of, po- of revenue from the deposit fees. And essentially, what we are leaning towards is, you know, keeping a larger portion of the deposit fees in the treasury, um, almost as if it were a capital raise, for two reasons. And one is to smooth out yield to marinators. So instead of yield spiking to what frankly, could be a <laughs> very, very high um, APR, especially at current prices, um, and then you know, being lower the subsequent month because now we're not front-loading as many deposit fees. Um, we, could, we could smooth it out, and we could also you know, keep a sizable portion of deposit fees and, and deploy them right into our various uh, you know, treasury allocations on Arbitrum to generate yield, which can then help offset operational expenses um, and lead to more, actually a larger percent of revenue going to marinators in the future. So, so the, the area where we're exercising discretion here is the deposit fees, not performance and management fees, which will be paid out um, you know, 50% to marinators, 50% in the, into the treasury, which is exactly as what we've been doing with our protocol revenue so far. Sounds fair. Um, I also have another question, if you don't mind. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was driving, so maybe I missed a point because uh, I lost connection. But you mentioned that uh, the tracer TVL pools were, you know, like in lower than a million or something. So, like, do you, do you really think you can scale them up to a point where you can have a huge TVL? Yeah. And yeah, in a way, it it probably also leads to another question: is um, like, do you think that? Um, uh, shorting or at least like uh, applying the delta neutral strategy directly on GMX could not be beneficial in terms of the fees for like uh, actual stakers of uh, umami mm. as well. Is it is it yeah. harder to do or like because uh, obviously there would be a lot of synergies in terms of fees for the people who are already mm. in the delta neutral strategy, right? Sure. So that's a great question, um, and let me let me answer both of those for you. Um, I'll first address the GMX. Question. So, yeah, obviously, like we, we want to see as much, um, you know, transaction throughput on the GMX platform as possible because that's tied exactly as you said to the, the yield for the uh, GLP, which is the bulk of our our vault will be invested in GLP. Um, so that is great, but uh, the key element of our vault here is that it's a delta neutral vault that's supposed to have you know essentially you know full capital preservation baked in, you know, even in you know, every black swan event we've modeled for, we can't take a leveraged perpetual short position on GMX and be able to promise the level of capital preservation that's central to our vault strategy. Um, as you know, short positions, leverage short positions, leverage short positions on GMX liquidate. We could, I suppose, take a one X, um, but that would really mm-hmm. not be desirable because that would not be capital efficient, right? Mm-hmm. We're using 3x levered tracer pools. So that's why we don't use GMX, unfortunately. Um, I mean, 
fortunately, because we get to work closely with Tracer. But that's that's just the reality. It doesn't uh, their their levered perps don't fit our hedging strategy. Um, and that's what makes Tracer so special is that they have these, you know, you can take leveraged positions, long and short, that never liquidate. Um, and, you know, we're building all of our vaults essentially around the functionality that is you know, uniquely offered by Tracer. Um, so to then get to your second question. Um, I'd like to add different points before you get to the, yeah. the second question. And, and that is, um, you know, um, the tracer, the tracer purples also have emission rewards too that go back into the um, yield for the for the delta neutral ball um, that we wouldn't otherwise receive. And then um, there's also there's also kind of a and maybe DeFi is going to cover uh, cover this, but I, I'm not sure how much since I haven't been part of some of these AMAs, uh, you know, in, in the recent uh, past, but. Uh, we do have like so I'm not sure how much of these um, new products we've really you know linked alpha on, but we do have kind of a tier two tier plan for the PBL in in Tracer, and I think you guys gonna get into that right now. So. Yeah, that's actually what I was gonna reference, and there's, there's you're right. There's a lot there's a lot to this because that's a very prescient question that uh, that Complete Degen asked. Um, but I was gonna give him kind of the the near term. The answer for what we're going to do in the near term. So, you know, to his point, I think we have about hundred, you know, five hundred fifty thousand dollar TVL in their Bitcoin three um, X leverage Bitcoin pools right now. Um, a little bit more in in ETH, about almost eight hundred thousand, which is pretty good actually. They're scaling quickly, but um, basically, here's what it comes down to. Our vault, you know, as, as we just discussed, these tracer pools, these hedges, they're 3x leverage, so they're capital efficient. We put need to only put about 15% of our vault assets into these hedges. The rest goes right into GLP. Um, so let's just start with, you know, imagine imagine during this whitelist period, we start with a cap of 10 million TVL for the sake of argument um, into our vault. That's 1.5 million in additional TVL into, um, you know, spread between the 3S BTC tracer pool and the 3S ETH tracer pool. So we'll say about a million into 3S ETH and, a, you know, half a million into 3S BTC, just for the sake of argument. So to your point that the liquidity issue here, we're providing the liquidity on the short side. But, you know, for those of you who know tracer, you know, the way that they kind of keep a balance in their pools is they have something called skew, um, meaning that the more overbalanced the pool is in favor of the short side, the lower what they call effective leverage becomes. So, you you know, it's supposed to be a 3x short position. Well, if we, you know, were to just cram one point, you know, one million additional dollars um, into the short side, it might have an effective leverage of 1.8. So the upside would be lower and it would throw off our, uh, our hedges because we, we have very specific targets. Again, we're aiming for, you know, 0.15% in either direction, sort of as, as the sigma that we're willing to accept, um, you know, for the vault assets. So there is a solution. We have the solution. The solution is actually only, you just need to find partners with um, 1.5 million TBL, for example, if we wanted to go you know, double that amount for the first month, um, you know, two, you know, three million. TBL um, that you know want to do a skew farming strategy, and luckily, 
It's an attractive strategy. We're talking about taking a long position on BTC or ETH. And, you know, as we load TVL into the vault, it produces, you know, a modest positive skew. We want to avoid that extreme scenario I just described. Um, so it's basically, you know, free upside in a sense for those who are playing the, uh, the long side of, of the skew farming strategy. And we have partners lined up who are willing to do this. And again, $3 million of TVL, um, you know, if you're a protocol like us and you, know, you can tap, you know, connections, you know, we have hedge funds who are interested in this. We have protocol treasuries um, that are interested in this. It's not going to be, you know, too much of a, of a constraint. It's just about coordinating it properly. And so that's going to be our strategy for July. Um, and then longer term, starting in August, and this is where Prepop, I think, can elaborate more, we are going to be following up our USDC vault very soon with um, an ETH vault and a BTC vault. And those vaults have similar underlying strategies, GLP and Tracer, but they change, you know, they one of them takes in ETH as the deposit asset, one of them takes in BTC as the deposit asset, and they take, respectively, long positions in BTC and ETH on Tracer. Um, and that will, you know, help basically um, close the loop, if you will, and then those three vaults can scale in unison quite, quite, uh, quite quickly without you know, needing to actively manage this skew farming. Um, and we're also simultaneously, we're working on a special skew farming vault, um, which is sort of a general tracer product that, you know, product on top of tracer that we're excited about, um, but it'll further help uh, manage this skew issue. So, uh, Prepop, do you want to elaborate on that at all? On which one? Really any, just, just our subsequent products and the way that, you know, the, the role that they play um, for us, but also the role they play in balancing tracer pool liquidity. Sure, for the, for the ETH and Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah and then and, and also the skew farm, um, the tracer skew farm involved as well. Um, I know that we're going to do the ETH and Bitcoin first. Um, so whatever you're comfortable getting into detail on. Yeah, right. So, you know, essentially, um, it's a way... And this is a, this is an attractive product everywhere. I think all three of the vaults that we're planning are some of the most sought after products uh, in DeFi right now, which is one, you know, stable coin that has a delta neutral strategy earning great yield. Um, the other one is actual yield with uh, ETH exposure or Bitcoin exposure, right, to the upside. And so essentially we'll be taking the same strategy, uh, also using Tracer, um, and playing the other side of the pools um, to maintain that ETH exposure. So when user deposits Ethereum into the vault, we'll do the reinvestment of GLP, um, and we will short out Bitcoin exposure, but we will take a 3x long on Ethereum um, to balance out exactly how much uh, the GLP index balance of Ethereum is so that users can earn yield, you know, almost native yield on Ethereum with uh, with a one of one to one exposure um, up and down. So, um, it you know, it, it creates great products for um, different types of people. Right. There is a lot of people that think uh, still think Ethereum and Bitcoin have considerable upside, myself included. Um, that's this appeals to. Um, and then there's always 
um, you know, probably the safest, you know, investment strategies of, of staying in that Delta neutral vault. Uh, so there is that, that product for, uh, you know, for absolute safety and still earning some of the, some of the best yield out there, uh, I would say. So, um, and yeah, what this does is rounds out the product suite, but also helps maintain that balance. And you'll find too, like the higher TVL, the TVL grows in these um, tracer pools, the less the skew really becomes an issue. Um, and so an important note that I don't know if we mentioned too, but uh, it is it is um, our uh, absolute intention to um, have the vault cap, uh, especially for this first launch of Delta Neutral. The the cap of the of the vault will be um, whatever is required to have a, you know the absolute promise of delta neutrality in our modeling, right? So we have the uh, partners that we're working with with Tracer and and some of these other parties um, that have you know decided to to do the long skewing for uh, for that upside exposure. Um, and so we're not going to set our max cap higher than what we could ensure delta neutrality in, in conditions in the modeling, if that makes sense. Like um, that, that's a pretty, uh, a pretty hard line, I would say, um, and very important too, right? Because um, with, this, with this product, that's, I mean, that's, that's the importance is that to maintain that delta neutrality. So, so we're not going to try to push the limits um, without without the TVL required and in, in the tracer pools. Okay, great, interesting. Um, I, I also actually have a, a quite a few other questions. I just uh, hope you don't mind, uh, unless someone else needs a, has a question. Um, but why, yeah, why don't you ask one more and then we'll open it up for other questions, just in case someone else mm -hmm. has a question. If not, we can go back and do some more sure. um, of yours. Yeah. Sound good? Um, cool. I mean, obviously, with with these um, protocols, in a way, it's 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 kind of like uh, the house always wins, right? So, on average, traders will lose money. Um, but have you thought of a scenario uh, where I don't know, like for you know a few days or just like a, a flash event, some some whale trader makes a shit ton of money, and uh, obviously a GLP goes down, or I mean, like the average AUM goes down just because yeah, house lost this time. Like, have you thought of this in, in, in your models and how you could potentially balance it out over a few days or weeks or, or whatever? Or like, is it some, something you considered as well or not really? Um, we've certainly considered it, right? And that counterparty risk is it's a unique feature of GLP. Um, the goal of this vault is to be delta neutral in the sense that there is no exposure to market risk. Um, and it's to provide, you know, total capital preservation. It doesn't necessarily guarantee um, that the APR will not fluctuate. So I think the key thing to remember is that um, there's a couple things. So, you know, GLP, as you mentioned, all the historic data shows the, you know, house continually winning and traders Losing and therefore, you know, the net effect of being the counterparty, of, you know, in, on GMX's platform um, by virtue of, of holding GLP is very positive. Um, and indeed, during you know more volatile markets, I mean, really, we're we're, 
were happy overall with that counterparty exposure because during during volatile periods in the market, we tend to see more liquidations, right? Because levered bets um, tend to liquidate. And therefore, there's kind of a counter-cyclical effect to being in the vault. Um, So really, though, here's to, to kind of frame this, I think, correctly, you have to remember that GLP is, is accumulating trading fees, and it's been a net winner um, as a counterparty, so it's been accumulating collateral from liquidations. Um, and for a sharp market movement where traders win against GMX, to affect the underlying capital deposited, it would, it would need to be really, really dramatic, right? It would need to not only eat through all of the APR from fees and, you know, the general trend for um, collateral, um, you know, for, for GLP to accumulate collateral, but it would need to eat through all of that and then into the underlying, you know, asset value of GLP. Um, and that's, we just haven't seen that ever, ever happen. And we've gone through some pretty extreme market drawdowns. Um, and... Even if that were to happen, it's still actually, there's still a buffer for depositors because our vault does not pay out. It doesn't, it doesn't liquidate, it doesn't swap the GMX rewards that um, GLP accumulates for, you know, ultimately USDC to pay out depositors. It permanently stakes that to accumulate more ESGMX, to accumulate multiplier points, to accumulate ETH yield from that. And as that builds up, that you know that that further um, adds to the total as the total value of the assets in this vault above the value of the GLP. So then you know for depositors to come out um, to the downside, it would it would need to be such a severe loss for GLP that you know it, it ate through all of the, the the APR for that period and offset you know the the contribution of the accumulated GMX to eat into the underlying asset value. I, I think that, you know, the key thing is that that's just, it's very improbable. It's one of the scenarios that we're going to be modeling for with this more rigorous series of back tests that we're doing um, with balance right now, but it's not something we see as, uh, as a serious risk. And I'd like to, I'd like to weigh in too, um, because the fees on GMX uh, are, you know, a substantial part of the, of the yield. Um, and, you know, not just the, um, you know, taking positions, but swaps, um, interest on levers positions, liquidation fees, um, you know, they have a great fee system. And, you know, um, I, I think GMX is just very well designed. And that's one of the reasons w- that we sought to use them for uh, for our vaults. And um, they also ha- do have a way that um, kind of min- minimizes their upside risk. Um, and, and when you take out, you know, if you take out a position in ETH and you take, you know, they take the ETH and is essentially selling at that price. So, so they hold on to the ETH while you get um, the U.S. dollar equivalent of your position. So then, if there is significant upside where a leverage long position wins, they hold on to the ETH that's taking that upside position. Um, and so, th- just just little things like that, that that they've thought through that helps mitigate some of the risk on on their end. And I do think in extreme extreme times, what you're talking about, it, you know, it, it certainly can't happen. But I think you'll see, first of all, the yield tank, uh, mm-hmm. 
before you'd see any actual drop, down draw of the GLP. Um, and then, of course, we do have the short side uh, tracer pools that are giving that are generating yield um, themselves to to you know kind of help prop up during during times of uh, low GLP yields. So, what kind of my thoughts on it? And you actually touched on a really important point, Prepop, which is that GMX is increasingly its fee revenue comes from swaps, from spot trades. Um, a lot of DEX aggregators are routing through it. Um, and it's going to be rolling out X4 soon, which is, you know, it's swap trading platform. It's spot trading platform. Um, and, you know, as it does that, I think we're going to see a couple things. I think we're going to see the GLP pool attract more and more liquidity. Um, and more and more of that liquidity is going to effectively be allocated to facilitating spot trading and not leverage perpetual trading. And once that happens, then, you know, the odds of you know, any serious impact to the price of GLP from uh, counterparty risk goes to zero because it's a larger pool and most of the transactions are not uh, leveraged perpetual trades. So uh, with that, I do see uh, Clones Cody has a question. Um, so let's talk with him and then we can come back to yeah, you. Thanks a lot. Yep. Yeah. Hi, Clones Cody. Are you able to speak? Yep. Hey, guys. Um, I have a question related to composability, you could say. Uh, is, there, is there a plan to open up uh, the creation of vaults for Umami, like have a quote-unquote factory of vaults, kind of like curve, where you have um, basic implementation of a specific strategy, for example, just a tracer strategy uh, or something like that? A great question. Um, I'll share a few thoughts, and I'm curious to hear pre-pops as well. So, we value composability very much in the sense that all of our vaults are tokenized to the ERC4626 standard, and therefore our vault tokens can be used um, as the foundation for other vault products. Um, and we're going to take advantage of that with our own vault strategy because we expect to build future vaults that that effectively aggregate. Um, you know, the, the vaults that we're going to be rolling out in the near term. And you know, we're very excited about that because we'll produce these, you know, vaults probably, you know, first half of 2023 that are, you know, very diversified sources of yield, diversified asset holdings, and can absorb an enormous amount of TVL. And, and we're able to do that because of the composability of um, the vaults that we're building now vis-a-vis -vis the year 6 4626 standard, which, for those who don't know, really just means that um, deposits that you deposit into the vault, you receive a fully fungible tradable receipt token, uh, which again makes building vaults on top of them very easy. Um, so we're all for composability in that sense. Now, this question of opening it up, open sourcing it and having a factory system, so far, that's not at all in the plan. Um, my initial thoughts, and again, you're, you're hitting us with a question where we just haven't, we haven't made a formal internal decision to never do that. Um, so I'm sort of sharing just my, my first blush thoughts. And, and my initial thoughts are that that's a really cool thing for a lot of projects. Um, Yearn does it, Tracer does that with their factory system. I'm not sure if it's ever going to be a fit for Umami. And, and the reason I say that is because we have a very coordinated long-term plan, um, 12 to 18 month plan 
for building out the Arbitrum ecosystem and doing it brick by brick, if you will. And what I mean by that is that each vault that we're building is not just um, sort of a cool product unto itself, but is in fact designed to be a building block for future vaults, right? And that goes back to what I was just talking about with composability. And as we execute on this product roadmap, um, we're going to be essentially you know, adding more and more liquidity to the Arbitrum ecosystem, um, creating vaults that are more diversified and can absorb more TVL um, to facilitate migrating institutional capital onto Arbitrum. Um, but we're going to be doing it in this very strategic way um, so that you know, we, we, create, you know, we lay the foundation right, for, for future vaults with the vaults we're building now. Um, that's the key point. So, you know, things like the BTC and ETH vault to balance out the uh, tracer pool liquidity, um, you know, after to, to offset the impact of the USDC vault, and then creating a SKU farming product. And then we're going to have a product that is a little alpha, but I won't be too detailed, um, allows for the creation of Unity 3 farms and then to create liquidity um, where there hasn't been any um, on, on Arbitrum through Unity 3. Um, which will enable future vault strategies. So everything falls into place like that. The main reason we wouldn't want to therefore have a factory-style approach is that we, we would risk fragmenting liquidity. We would risk um, maybe products that don't align with our strategy or are not good for the ecosystem. You know, getting, getting built, we would, they'd be presumably permissionless, and we wouldn't be able to prevent that. Um, ultimately, if someone wants to do anything with our ERC four six two six vault tokens. They're free to do so, but um, we're not necessarily going to. We're not going to create a, a platform for anyone building any vault they want because we have a plan and we just want to focus on executing on that. Um, so those are my thoughts, Prepop. Do you have any thoughts that you want to share? I think you you covered it pretty well. I will just add, you know, some of the some of the mechanics. Um, does make the composability difficult, especially you know some of the tracer and hedging um, implementation uh, with the timing. Like I mentioned, the timing for um, for commits and claims and that sort of thing. So, um, like so, now something for like the super staker products, I could see uh, I could see that very easily being uh, being opened up um, more into. Uh, uh, something like that, as long as it maintained, um, you know, the the credo of kind of don't dump the partner the partner uh, token and and find a farm to restake uh, with this kind of multi multi uh, multi reward um, staking contract that we have. So um, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, that's a good point. The the super stakers would lend themselves to that much more. Um, these these other these USDC vaults. I mean. As as uh, as Prepop can attest, the amount of modeling and effort we put in to making sure that we're not throwing the ecosystem off balance with our vaults is pretty. Uh, it's a very heavy lift. It's weeks of, of modeling and it's you know, tens of thousands of dollars in uh, you know fees to people like balance. Um, you know that create these really rigorous um, you know Monte Carlo analyses that we then become you know, proprietary. Um, effectively proprietary IP for our vaults. Uh, so yeah, that, that we just couldn't really imagine open sourcing because we're, we're so rigorous in our approach. Um, we're, we're over time, but does anyone have one last question? Um, if so, feel free to, to raise your hand and, um, 
you can have the, the floor with, with any final questions. Anyone? One very um, you know, smaller question. Okay, so there's a few questions and AMA questions in chat. I'm going to try and hit quickly. Um, one was about the mint fees. So for those who don't know, they're dynamic you know, and, and varying mint fees depending on what asset you're putting into GLP. Um, and so they're sort of asking us that, taking into account with our bolt strategy. The short answer is no, because the fees are all extremely low. They're between 0.1% and 0.35%. And it's not like we are moving in and out of GLP, you know, at a high frequency. That's going to be pretty stable capital. So we don't take it into account um, in, in any in any way. Um, it's not really it, it's not deducted from our deposit fee. It's it's just it's, it's GLP's fee. We don't see it as a significant drag on vault performance. Um, and then I also see. The ETC, the ETH and BTC vaults, will they also be capped? Absolutely. Um, and the reason for that is twofold. So it's absolutely crit critical, um, you know, as we described, to make sure that the ETH and BTC vaults are balancing out the tracer pools, right? So they're, they're depositing to the long side of the ETH and the BTC pools, respectively. Um, to balance out the deposits from the delta neutral um, vault, the USDC vault, into the short side. And so we're going to have make sure that our caps are at, at a very specific ratio. And um, Wen Moon, who is uh, our treasury manager, has, has modeled this out very carefully. Um, and that will help maintain balance, you know, for the, you know, we'll basically have surged an enormous amount of liquidity into tracers' pools, but in a balanced way, so that we're not creating any kind of, uh, any kind of skew one way or the other. Um, they'll also be capped for another reason, which is that longer term, you know, this is not something we're at all worried about right now, but longer term, as in the next couple months, it's perfectly possible that, you know, we could have so much TVL in the vaults that we're actually diluting GLP. Um, we have to scale the vaults, you know, alt TVL also in keeping with the, um, the liquidity in the GLP pool and the transaction volume on the GLP exchange. And, you know, we don't want it to the amount that we're pushing into GLP to get ahead of what GLP can absorb. So that, that's kind of where that current $100 million cap comes from. But that's uh, that's a longer, you know, that, that's something we're not really worried about in the near term. And again, as GL, GMX continues to take off and expand, that cap can grow further. Um, so with that, Prepop, do you have any final thoughts or comments you want to share? Uh, just really looking forward to getting this out. Um, I can say, like, everyone... At Umami has just been working at such a high level um, for you know the last last few months, and um, you know I think I think um, DeFi covered it really well just about how you know we have some very ambitious goals. Um, we're so bullish on Arbitrum as a chain, and um, you know I think in order to reach our goals, it's beneficial for us to reach out to. Um, every partner, potential partner that can can help the ecosystem and just try to pull everybody up. Um, and, you know, it's exciting news with uh, the Odyssey, Arbitrum Odyssey um, coming over because there's this TVL like flooding in through that. And um, it, it's going to be some great exposure to um, all sorts of protocols and, and people using Arbitrum. So um, I think it's just great to see uh, Arbitrum ecosystem grow as a whole. And we definitely want to be leading the charge, um, you know, and helping with that in any way we can. 
Awesome. Well, hey, Prepop, thanks so much for joining us. I know that you've been unbelievably busy the past, uh, probably since you joined, but certainly the past, um, you know, six weeks or so, and then even more so recently pushing to get this fall ready. So um, it's been really awesome to hear from you, and I'm sure the community's really appreciated it. And with that, we will uh, we'll see you guys next Friday for our next Community AMA. So enjoy your weekend.